You're listening to The Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. Yeah, again, I would point us to the fact that we're kingdom people, and that's everyone. That's not just believer versus non-believer. There is this narrative that there is an us and there is a them, us versus them. So you see that in the political arena, there's only two sides. And in God's view, there are two sides, but it's not believer versus unbeliever. It's actually us versus him. Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. I'm Taylor here with Jose. Jose, it's great to be with you. Hey, it's good to be with you too. And we were missing Paulina and Ben this time. That's right. You're stuck with us too. I know it. But we're going to dive right in because we are kicking off a new series, which is super exciting, called His Story, Unpacking God's Faithfulness Through the Old Testament. And Jose, kind of first question for you would be kind of what were your thoughts as you were preparing for this series, kind of putting it all together? It's a nine-week series for the summer. So kind of what were some thoughts, kind of what led you to coming up with this series? It's a good question. Normally, I've only been doing this lead pastor thing for a few months, but normally I've heard that you kind of plan out your year ahead of time, and that means speaking series, all that stuff. And I had not done that, thankfully, so I didn't have to go back and change what I was doing. So after the go, Let's Go Deep series, where I really wanted us to go spiritually deep and... Um, look at these different spiritual disciplines, I really was praying about uh, something to cover through the summer. And immediately the word faithfulness came to mind. And as I was thinking about God's faithfulness, I was also just reading through different episodes, different parts of the Old Testament and seeing how obvious God's faithfulness, God's faithfulness is, God's faithfulness is there you go third time's the charm and recognizing that God's faithfulness is all over the old testament and I'm not only talking about like God Yahweh God I'm talking about Jesus and so I got really excited and um, came up with nine different episodes or uh, parts of the Old Testament that we would walk through and see how Jesus is present in those and how God's faithfulness is revealed through each of them yeah, that's awesome stuff. And one of the things you mentioned kind of yesterday on Sunday, as well as I'm sure we'll hear throughout the series, is this idea from Joshua 4, 20 mm-hmm. through 22, about the stones. You want to pack that just a little bit? Sure. Yeah, we talked a little bit about this on Sunday. So this story is Joshua, who's the second leader of uh, the Israelites. Moses is the first after they come out of Egypt. So they're enslaved in Egypt. We know the plagues pretty, you know, good theme for for these days, plagues. And they come out of Egypt, they cross um, the Red Sea, and then they're in the desert for 40 years. And then it's Joshua, the new leader who brings the people back into, uh, or, or brings people into the land that has been promised to the Israelites for a long time. And as a way to remember God's faithfulness, God tells Joshua to ask 12 people, from each of the tribe of Israel, from each of the 12 tribes, to pick up a stone from right in the middle of the river and carry those to where they will uh, land next as a memorial. And then the cool thing about the passage is it talks and it majors on parents talking to their kids. So it has this sense of um, you know generational blessing and, and remembering how God has come through for his people. So, you know, this day, This time that we're living in right now, spring of 2020 is going to go down in the history books. We're going to be literally our grandkids and kids 
for some of us and grandkids for others and beyond, they're going to be reading about what's happening and taking place. And my hope is that we, as the people of God, we would have some things to write and, and pass down about how God has been faithful through yeah. this time yeah. personally. So yeah. it's always kind of dawned on me. I don't know if you've thought about this, Taylor, but how many things are not written in the Bible that happened? Yeah. Like the Bible doesn't only tell about the, 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 the times, all the times that God's faithfulness has come through. It's just an example. It's, it's a complete, uh, literally a complete library that characterize who God is and, and how deep his love is for us. But there's so many different stories about, how God has been faithful in our lives. And so my hope is that through this series, as we look at these examples that are written in the Bible are true, they tell us about God's love. They would also help us see how he has been faithful in our personal lives. Yeah, no, that's good. I think about just what you're talking about with the textbooks. I think back to, I think it was mid-March or so when mm-hmm. everything was like crashing down. That feels like forever ago. And even does. though it was only like three months. But I just think back to how I think at that time, at least in my own life, I was starting to take inventory of all these different things in the world. And you just saw whether it was like things getting canceled for the first time in history or yeah. things that seem super dependable and all of a sudden are coming to a halt. And I think in my life, I just was realizing as I was taking inventory of all these things, just recognizing how there really has only been one thing that has stayed true mm-hmm. and stayed faithful to me. And so I think despite being in that place three months ago, how easy it is over the last, you know, week after week as things reopen and I sort of get used to this new routine that all of a sudden that kind of raw and real moment I had with God of realizing, dang, this really is all for him. Now I'm starting to get distracted again. I'm starting to think through, you know, trying to put faith in myself or the, my schedule, my abilities. And so quickly, I think it's just, I don't know, it it just was really humbling and also just kind of a little alarming how quickly I can kind of revert back to that default way of, of mentality with trying to put faith in other things other than God. Right. Yeah. Another dichotomy here is a message I uh, shared a few weeks ago on Matthew 6 and the birds and how in the Old Testament, God talks about in this, like in this case with Joshua, hey, remember when the people of God crossed the, the dry Jordan River? God dried up the Jordan, just like he did the Red Sea. Yeah. And, and so these memorial stones are gonna be uh, reminding you of the big things that he's done. And then the dichotomy of that is Jesus in Matthew 6 says, hey, when you're worried, think about the birds. Yeah. Think about the lilies, yeah. the contrast, big versus small things. And so Jesus is also saying, hey, there may not be mountains being moved or you may be full in a season of worry right now, that doesn't mean that God's faithfulness is not being you know, revealed to you in some way, shape or form. And in Matthew 6, Jesus tells us, look, look to nature, look to things outside of yourself. So my hope is that this series does a little bit of both. Show us those big things that God is doing, but also reveal the little things on, on how his faithfulness is being present in our lives. That's good, that's good. And then kind of kicking off the whole series with creation, kind of going in order of this timeline here, what kind of unpack a little bit about how creation and just the story of creation and what God did and our identity through creation, kind of how that intertwines with this, this concept of God's faithfulness. Well, it's a timely message that was prepped before um, you know, any of this. So this was a few weeks back and uh, with everything going on with protesting and, um, you know, Black Lives Matter movement and it taking center stage specifically in the media and definitely on social media. 
as a church, um, well, I quickly realized this, that the gospel wasn't going to be preached in the media. No one was going to point to God or Jesus as supreme and preeminent. And so looking at how God is being faithful, I do believe that, that God's faithfulness is, is being revealed. And, you know, in a, in a, in a very foundational way, I thought it was so cool that it's on page one of the Bible where we read that we were created in his image, in his likeness. And so humanity represents the likeness of God. And again, the two points I don't want to re-preach, but you know, <laughs> relationship and for representation. So we were created for relationship with him and, and others and, and to represent him as we live and you know that word that we don't talk a lot about, but rule here on earth as the supreme creation, you know, uh, if you think about humanity really does reign supreme on earth and, and that was the foundation of everything. And if we today just got those two things that we were created in his image, then we wouldn't be having issues with, um, you know, racism and we wouldn't have to worry about how to reconcile things because we would see one another the way that we were created, which was in the image of God. Yeah, that's awesome. And I loved how you tied in kind of two fundamental questions that can kind of help us uh, evaluate our hearts when it comes to understanding this idea of identity. And one of them, first one here is, do you see yourselves the way God sees you? Is mm-hmm. kind of the pivotal question to start with. And so I loved how you you brought up things, whether it's comparison, whether on social media mm-hmm. or other things, or, you know, I think not social media in general, but it can be all over the place. Comparison there, as well as just words that people say, words that can can hurt. And so I guess my question for you, and then I'll try to tackle it as well, is yeah. how do you remind yourself of who you are in Christ amidst all of the kind of world's way of trying to define us? Yeah, I remember a time in Washington, D.C. when I got an amazing job and the first promotion hit our office. And so uh, four of us applied for the position and immediately I compared myself to the other three that had applied. And I thought, I have it in the books, Uh, just personality wise and everything. And it was for the uh, personal assistant to uh, one of the nine justices in the Supreme Court. And I thought, man, it's going to be so cool. I'm going to get to know this one justice. Well, I'll spare you the, the rest of the details to just say, I didn't get the job. And I remember thinking, um, you know, first, why didn't I get, like, what was wrong with me? And what was happening is I was comparing myself to the other person that did get the job when in reality, that person was the best person for that job. And so he was rightly hired due to the justice's personality and the justice's uh, uh, office culture. And I would have been a terrible, um, uh, this, this justice was very private, very quiet, very reserved. And I'm not those things. So I would have been, I would have been, uh, annoying to say the least. And I think that it's, it's reminding m- myself constantly when I hit those times of disappointment that I don't have to worry about trying to please God in any way. God created me for a unique purpose in the same way that God created my friend in a unique way to be the best person for that job. Um, And so we are all created in his likeness, but we're all very different. And that ends up 
giving glory to God, glory to God. So for me, I have to remember that the way that God made me is for is to fulfill His purposes. Yeah. And the more I know Him, the more I realized His love for me, and I'm moving forward here. But the more I have compassion and understanding to to love others and, and see that way too. But I'm curious to hear how that is for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think there's there's kind of multiple things that I think about that I need to be doing more intentionally, but I've just seen as I was reflecting on this this morning, just the ways in which has helped me when it comes to that. And I think first is kind of a um, cliche thing to say in Christian circles, but really just the word and just being able to mm-hmm. redefine um, what success looks like because I think, like you said, in multiple ways, whether we look to media, whether we look to uh, status and power and positions and all this stuff that, that in any sort of, you know, secular context, that is the definition of success. So whether it's, you know, the kids and the house and the fence or whatever that looks like for many people. And so I think for me, uh, that's been hard because even the last few years, God has not had me on that track. And so I have to continually go back to this idea of, hmm, like there are days where I feel like a failure. And so for me, whether that's more performance minded, whereas others, I know it's, it has much more to do with kind of, you know, how people perceive them or just all that stuff. I think for me, I have to uh, take those thoughts captive and I have yeah. to just re, I just have to immerse myself in uh, in consuming content that is true. And that's ultimately gonna be the word or books yeah. or podcasts or other kind of resources and material out there. But I'm a product of what I am consuming and surrounded by. And so I think that that's kind of the first step for me is that if I'm, you know, watching and reading and, and trying to be of the world, then I'm gonna turn into the world if I'm not yeah. careful. And so I think that's kind of a big thing that I've caught myself kind of uh, wrestling with. And then I think by extension of that, even being in relationship and community with people that also know who I am in Christ Mm -hmm. and are going to remind me of that and going to call out situations where I'm not, I maybe I'm acting out of insecurity or I'm acting in ways in which, you know, a friend that is able to speak truth to me just says, Hey, this is not, you know, sure, this may be what you think your worth is in, yeah. but, but this is not where your worth is. And so I remember that was one thing that uh, even being in kind of uh, just deep relationships in college, as far as in crosstalk student ministry and that kind of thing, compared to my work friends, I had work friends that are like, why are you hanging out with wow. certain people? Because yeah. they don't even know, like from a professional standpoint, wow. you, you want to be around people that are going to push you. And so you always want to be around people that are better than you. And in the professional context, the people I'm hanging out with friends in college and stuff don't know what I'm doing professionally, don't know any of that. And so it was confusing to them, like why I would do that. And I remember one of the biggest things was just this idea that these friends know me for me Mm -hmm. and not for who I need to be or what I can get for them. And so it just really kind of being in a, in a kind of family uh, you know, whether, whether it's my, my immediate family or just even just relationships that can really just be there. And I think that's what's uh, a huge blessing to kind of longstanding relationships because you're able to, to see that tested over time. And just the fact that regardless of what job or what, you know, kind of position or something I'm holding, they're still kind of faithful with that. So I think those are two big things as far as what I'm consuming and kind of being mindful of that. And then the community that I'm around and kind of making sure that, uh, that I'm kind of surrounding myself with people that are like, like that. So remind That's me of so that. good. Another question here. The second question you had is kind of a similar vein with that first mm-hmm. question. How are ways that we can remind ourselves of the way that God sees others yep. beyond just ourselves? I just thought of something when you were sharing 
and this is so true for you, as you were saying, like performance and when you're around other people, you want to be around people that push you, but they're pushing you towards performance or not pushing you to be in, you know, yeah. like Jesus. Yeah. And because that's not bad. You want people around you to push you right. and to make you be better at whatever you're doing. But the difference is that when our identity is secure in Christ, we can celebrate others. And we can celebrate others' victories. That's we good. can celebrate others' differences. Yeah. But when we are insecure in our identity and when we don't know or remember that we are made in the image of God, that God's created us different, but in his likeness to fulfill his purposes, that's when competition comes in. Yeah. So we can't rest and celebrate because we're too busy competing. Mm-hmm. And we're too busy trying to be either what everybody else wants us to become or we are trying to become um, something that, that God hasn't intended us uh, to be. So I think really understanding who we are has to be the first step to celebrating somebody else and, and, and seeing them as people made in the image of God. And, and then the other thing, and I didn't share this yesterday, but I think we need to make sure that well, I did say it. Christ is supreme, that Christ is preeminent, yeah. meaning that we are kingdom people first before we are American citizens, Texas residents, you know, sons and daughters of this family member or that person, uh, students from this university. There's all of these things that define or, or describe who we are, and those are good things. But beyond any of those things, we are citizens of heaven. Yeah. And I remember going to Texas State and being um, uh, trying out for the soccer team, the club soccer team. It was it NCAA? It was a club soccer team. And um, I, I remember trying out by the water tower over at West Campus and seeing the, the Texas State emblem. And I just moved to Texas State and I thought, how cool would it be for me to make the team wear the jersey so that people can see, oh, well, that guy's a member of the Texas State club team. Now, that's kind of embarrassing because not many people are impressed. So my, my optics were, were out of whack there. Uh, but I wanted so badly to belong to a team. I yeah. wanted to be seen as a part of something that, that was um, valuable or cool. Well, there's nothing cooler and more valuable than, than our identity in Christ and, and being a part of, of um, you know, being the people of God, loved by Jesus, being saved and um, living in that way. So we have to recognize those things before we, we, we see others yeah. the way that God sees That's them. That's good. That's good. That reminds me of uh, a quote from Bob's Daily Devotional this morning, yeah. which is a shameless plug for that. But uh, <laughs> he says, when he's just talking about that idea of, even just our own ego, you know, that's one mm-hmm. thing he loves to talk about, which is so good as far as just being reminded of how our ego is constantly trying to get to that, that throne as far as where God should be. And so he writes, our ego hates the idea of submitting to God and obeying his commandments. Our ego thinks it has a better way. All God wants for us is to do and love, let's see. All that God wants us to do is love him, trust him, submit to him and love everyone the way Jesus did. And so I think it's just neat how, yeah, he puts it so clearly, but just this idea that our ego hates that. Like this is not yeah. something that we're going to wake up and be like, yeah, I'm going to put God, you know, as the, as the firstborn, as the, the head of my life. It's like our, our flesh is instead wanting to get there. And that trickles, like you said, into all the other relationships and, uh, ways we view other people so yeah and the great commandment is clear 
love God and love your neighbor as yourself. So love God with everything that you are, with your heart, your soul, your strength, uh, and also love your neighbor as yourself. And I think they're, they're not, it's not a, it's, it's not a pre-qualification. You got to uh, love God yourself before you love others. The command is to love others. Uh, it's almost a given that you understand how much God loves you, but it is really important for us to fulfill that commandment by seeing others made in the image of God. And yeah. again, I think that if we understood that, then all of the, if we understood that on a, from a cultural standpoint, all of the tension that we're living right now uh, wouldn't be present, but because it is, I think it's an awesome opportunity for the church to be a great example yeah. and, and see people as made in the image of God mm-hmm. and, and proclaim truth from a gospel perspective because it, that's the best solution. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's the solution that will change your heart beyond just one issue or given one policy. It's going to change your entire life and bring you new life uh, forevermore. So, um, yeah, it's 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 deep. Yes, yes. And this would not be the Conversations podcast without getting a little into the more practical steps, mm-hmm. kind of uh, tips or maybe ways in which people can apply this. So kind of this question would be going back to the first question about seeing ourselves the way that God sees us. So maybe for someone, again, we've talked about this idea of comparison and just all the, the words from people around us. So for someone that is just wrestling with that, mm-hmm. that's just feeling just you know unworthy or just beaten down just constantly by either people around them or just what they see online, what would be some maybe just practical ways that you would just recommend someone just kind of to help them see the way that God sees them? It's really good. You know, a lot of times when we pray, we speak and we don't listen. And I really believe that God speaks. And uh, in John 15, uh, Jesus says that the uh, shepherd knows his sheep and the sheep know his voice. And so ask God what he thinks of you and sit and listen. And it may not come in an audible voice, but it may come with a thought or it may come with this inner peace that you feel. And when we cry out to God and in desperation, when we are tired, um, he says, come to me all who are weary and heavy burden and I will give you rest. And it's rest that, that, that nourishes our soul. So I would say, you know, pray and ask God, listen. I would also say to go check out a community group. That's... A should be, so community groups should be the safest place yeah. that we have. And I understand that, you know, community groups are a part of, uh, people are a part of community groups and people are imperfect. And so sometimes, you know, community group things can be said that hurt us, but we really need people. We really, really need people, like you said in, in, in your story, that see us for how God made us and who he's made us uh, to be. So I, I would really say do that. And we have Zoom community groups. So check out cyberscreechurch.com. Go there. doesn't matter where you are, where you live. You can, you can join an online community group. Um, and then the third thing I would say is, again, you, you said this as a reminder for you, read, read the word. Yeah. So we read Psalms uh, 139, and so that's good. the best chapter to get centered um, 
into how God sees you. And um, yeah, yeah, those are the three. Would to, you would you add? Any, no, I was anything? about to just plug the Psalms one thirty nine. I hadn't heard that in a while, so that kind of snuck up on me yesterday. But <laughs> so good. And uh, to your point, even earlier, like I was just realizing about everything I've consumed over the last, even just since this all started a few months ago. Uh, I have not heard that. You're not going to get those words about good. who that's God good. sees us as. Uh, you know really anywhere. And so I think that that's just where it's like so important and crucial that we're going to that uh, on a regular basis, not just when we're at a super, super low, but just in general. Yeah, you're only gonna hear one thing, and that is that you're not good enough. That's what the world is gonna say, always. You're not good enough. And when we turn to God's word, again, page one, at the end, after Psalms one, I'm sorry, Genesis one, 26 and 27, which we read, um, he says that he saw everything that he had created and he calls it very good. And so when God made you, he said, very good. And that's what we get when we turn to God. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love also what you talked about as far as God doesn't want us just to stay the same, but he's, but he has, he desires us to be transformed, but he also has designed us with personalities and just characteristics. And I think that's what makes it beautiful when you look at the body, because there's just so many diverse personalities and backgrounds and status and all of that stuff. So kind of segueing into the last question here about uh, kind of similar to this, this last one, but the practical ways that we can help see others the way that God sees them. How would you, you know, how would you recommend anything related on that front? Because in some ways that might be just as hard, if not harder. Yeah, again, I would point us to the fact that we're kingdom people and that's everyone. That's not just believer versus non-believer. There is this reality or, or narrative that we are under that there is an us and there is a them, us versus them. So you see that in the political arena, there's only two sides. You see that in a relationship, you know, he hurt me, I hurt, you know, rarely do we say I actually hurt, but there's there's two sides. And in, in, in God's view, there are two sides, but it's not believer versus unbeliever. It's actually us versus him. It's our sin or our ego um, versus God. And he made a way, he broke through uh, and did not allow our sin or the darkness of this world to keep us from him. And so recognizing gospel truth has to be the first way um, for us to see others is made in the image of God. And when we realize that God reconciled everything and that he you know, sent Jesus to be the mediator between us and, and God, then we can be about the work of reconciliation that, that God has sent us on a mission with. And so we can see other people um, made in his image. That's good, that's good. As I thought about this question, I thought of two things that I look back at my childhood that my parents ingrained in us when I was having a real hard time loving my uh, brother and sister <laughs> on a regular basis. And uh, one of them was anytime we would, you know, make a jab or a comment or something like that, they'd always tell us, say three nice things. And it almost Ooh, became just kind of running, you know, like at first we were like, oh, like, okay. And we'd have the same three. We'd just spit off right away. <laughs> but I didn't realize until later just how like, even as I catch my myself talking about someone or thinking about someone, uh, it's sometimes really difficult to even think of three things that 
uh, that are that are good about them or mm-hmm. three things that God would say about them. And so I think, again, it's such a small and somewhat cheesy thing, but I think that just even just rewiring my own kind of mind just intentionally to try to do that. And then the second one that they always did was serve. And they wow. were big on, you know, you can try as much as you can to think good thoughts about someone in your head, but it's when you're when you're actually putting those into action. And and I've just seen even my heart, God changed my heart through service. So I knew I was I was having to do something for them because my parents made them. But then in that act, I started just realizing how service kind of puts that, um, it just kind of changes my heart. And so it just makes sense when you read the Bible and when you just live in a biblical community where you see that play out. And so I think those are two things that, again, may sound kind of cheesy, but they definitely have helped me in my heart towards other people. That's so good. I am totally going to implement those say three nice things to your siblings tonight. (laughs) Oh dear. I have homework and then serve. That's brilliant. Super practical and easy, I think, to, to, to implement. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as we wrap up this, what, what kind of would be some of the take home messages you want someone just to come through, come away with in a practical sense, just for this first week? Now, I'd go back to those two questions and asking ourselves those every every day. Do I see myself the way that God sees me? And, and do I see others the way that God sees them? And if we are at a 70% or 80% uh, effectiveness, then, then I think we're making a change. And my hope is for Cypress Creek Church to be that change in our culture. And for us, for when people, you know, when people see you or me or hear Cypress Creek Church, they, they would see Jesus and they would see his love. Um, so that, that's, that's my hope.